Good morning, Cross Point Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Can I just say for the record, uh, it is well. That is probably one of my favorite songs of all time, and that was an amazing version of it. That, that was really, really good. So uh, just so thankful for uh, Spence and the band and, and everybody who, it's not just the band, it's, it's the, uh, the whole entire team that helps uh, just really bring us to a place of worship on Sunday mornings. Amen? So um, this morning, uh, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Michael uh, Buffalo. I'm the executive pastor here at Cross Point. Uh, pastor David is out sick today, so uh, I want you guys to be, we're going to pray for him in just a minute, but uh, if you know anything about Pastor David, that man don't take a sick day. So if he's off uh, on a Monday, it's, it's crazy. You know, you know he's sick as a dog. If he's off on a Sunday, he's really sick, and so uh, because he so wants to be here with his faith family and just wants to be uh, here to bring the word. And so he called me yesterday and said, hey, Michael, I, I'm probably going to need you to fill in. And uh, so can you be getting ready? And I said, okay. And then about an hour later, he said, good call. There's no way I'm going to make it. So he's just really, he's got flu-like symptoms and all that good stuff. So, um, so I just want to be praying for him. But I do want to say, um, you know, as we kind of move forward, right before we get started in prayer, just a couple of announcements, some things I want to celebrate um, about, uh, you know, as, as we have celebrated Thanksgiving and just, uh, uh, being with families. Everybody had a good Thanksgiving this weekend? Good. I know I did. It was an awesome time with our family and just hanging out and, and uh, spending time with family and with friends. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was really good. And I think uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is, is what we as a church uh, got to be a part of in order to help other people have Thanksgiving. We, uh, coming off of our Adopt-A-Box, which is part of our Share the Season, um, you know, just our whole kind of plan and and just our desire to reach out into our community, to get outside of these four walls of this building and, and to get into our community and adopt a box is one of the uh, pieces of that uh, bigger uh, puzzle that we're, that we're doing. And uh, Darren, our missions uh, director, and uh, helped, helped and, and he led uh, in this. And with that uh, adopt a box, we fed over 157 families uh, turkey and, and dressing and all of the, the fixing. And here's the thing 157 sounds amazing, but we've got to understand that that's. That's 157 families. That's over 900 meals that we served as a church. And, and let me just say, I, I'm very proud of us. It's not about patting ourselves on the back, but I'm very proud of all of us who, all of you who contributed and were a part of that. Maybe you brought food in. Maybe you came and helped uh, uh, deliver the food on that Sunday. Or, or, or maybe you just prayed for these families as we asked you to do and, this, and just prayed for them. But in, in every way, uh, you know, that's our opportunity to, to reach out, to reach into our community, to love on people. And maybe just maybe share the gospel with someone that may not know him. And so what an amazing uh, blessing that was. Um, and uh, let me just say, too, uh, coming up we have uh, the giving tree, which is a continuation of our share the season uh, giving tree. So let me just say two things about the giving tree. This is really important, okay? Um, the first thing is if you are a family or someone in this, in this faith family that needs the giving tree, in other words, you don't have the ability to uh, maybe maybe you're uh, out of a job or something like that, or you're just in a place in a time and a season in your life where you're not able uh, to to really do what you like to do for your family. Please let us know. That's what this is for. We want to minister to our to the members of our faith family that don't have. We want to help and serve each other as well as serving our communities. So first and foremost, if you're in need, please come and see us uh, at, at the uh, next steps area over there. Um, 
and uh, we'll be glad to, uh, to kind of help you with that. It's, it's very, we're very sensitive to that whole process. We know a lot of times, you know, it's hard to ask for help. But this is something we want to be a part of. We really would uh, like the honor of serving you this, uh, this season. And so, um, but secondly, if you want to help, uh, if you want to be a part and, and you want to help others, there's a lot of ways to help. There are two main ways to help. One is to take an ornament from the tree and bring that back with a gift. There's a gift attached to those ornaments so that you can help out and and uh, serve children and families in our community, uh, but also you can come and be a part of, of actually volunteering and serving. And so if you just want to come, come to the kiosk, you can get more information about how you can get involved and how you can serve, okay? Um, so this morning we're going to continue through our series, uh, uh, Hashtag Romans 8, and uh, this morning we're talking about glory. I'm really excited about this one. Of all the ones that I kind of could get called up for to preach at the last minute, this is a a really good one, a really exciting one for me. And so Romans chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 18 through 25, if you guys want to turn there. Um, and, uh, but before we read, I just want to pray for us as we go and, and study God's Word. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that you've given us. You've uh, set aside for us a time to come together as a body of believers to, to, to worship you through, through music and through, and through just our praise and our singing and our adoration Father God, and, and as we continue to worship you through the, the hearing, the reading, and the understanding of your word, Lord, I pray that you would give us just that this morning. I pray that you would give us understanding. I pray that you would open our eyes. I pray that your spirit would be upon each and every one of us, Lord. I pray that we would remove all the distractions of the week, even of this, of this morning maybe that we picked up on the way in. Father, I pray that you would remove all those things so that we can focus on you and who you are, so that we can focus on the future promise of glory this morning. Father God, you have so much in store for us, not just this morning, but for eternity. And so I pray that our eyes will be turned towards that, or that we would just, um, that, that you would just give us a portion of your spirit that we can really understand and know what you would have for us, so that we can eagerly long for what you have called us into. And so Father, we pray and ask all these things in God's precious and holy name. Amen. So Romans chapter 8 you know, the thing I love about Romans, uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, especially really, really the whole Bible, but especially Romans chapter 8, and especially in this passage we're going to be looking at this morning, is, is the way that the, the, the Bible points towards this future hope and glory. You know, uh, in, in every aspect from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you know, the Word of God is speaking to our, the, the way that He wants to bring us from a, a people that have a broken relationship with God into a right relationship with him forever. And, and so it's just an amazing picture. And even as we read through Romans chapter 8, we start off and uh, look here again in Romans uh, 8 verses 1 and 2. It says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. From, from salvation on, God's word speaks of this glorious future that we have, this there's no more condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on and on and on. And, and this is the crazy thing. It doesn't just speak of this glorious future that God is going to have in this heaven, but it speaks to the truth that we get to be a part of this glorious future. It's an amazing thing that, to, for me to think of that I get to be a part of this glorious future that we have. I love what he says in Philippians 1.6. He says, I am sure of this, this is Paul, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. I love this. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work, 
You know, and, and this is the this is what the interesting thing about this. If you read this word, this word, I am sure, I am certain of this that God, He has something, He has begun a work in me, and He will complete it. And we will get to see that glorious future with Him. And yet, when I look into this world, I mean, it doesn't take much to see when I turn on the TV and I see the, the news, whenever I turn on, uh, you know, whenever I get on Facebook or whatever, social media, you know, all I see is uncertainty. And yet this man, he was so certain of his glorious future. You know, we, I look, even in my own life, I think about, you know, just planning for, the, for my future, you know, planning for, you know, we're, our, our boys are very young, but we're even just planning, like, what school do they go to? You know, there's uncertainty there. We don't know, you know? I mean, thinking about what college maybe they'll go to one day and how we're going to pay for college and, you know, if I'm ever going to retire and how are we going to pay for that, you know? And how big is our cardboard box we're going to be living in and all that? You know, it's just there's so much uncertainty in it. Sometimes it brings fear into our lives, right? This, the lack of certainty can bring fear into our lives. But that is not what God wants for us. He wants us not to live in fear but to live in longing for. You know, it's so interesting to me when, like, uh, over the weekend, I watched a lot of football, right? How many of you guys watched a lot of football? Just me. Okay. Y'all all awake? Y'all awake this morning? Okay. You know, I lost a lot, a lot of football this weekend, it was, and it was uh, more than I normally watch, but there's a lot of great games on, a lot of tight games, you know? And it's so interesting, because all these games I'm watching, I don't really have a dog in a fight. I don't have any, none of these teams are like my team, you know? But it's just interesting to watch, and but you could tell, like, these close games, you know, there's this anxiety and this anticipation. And even me, like, I don't even have a, a favorite team of these two that are, you know, playing. And, uh, but, but still, there's this anxiousness that builds up because you don't know how it's going to end. It's this close game and the team's behind, and then all of a sudden they come back at the very end. And, you know, it's very interesting because the way you watch a football game as the game is going on and the way that you watch a, a football game, like, in the replays on, on ESPN, you know, on Sports Center or something like that, it's completely different, right? I mean, think about it. When we watch the game, there's this anxiety and excitement and build up and all this, but when you watch Sports Center, there's none of that, right? You know why? Because you've already seen the game. You know, you watch these replays and you, know, you see your team is behind and they're talking about how the team was 18 points behind at the half and all this and they had to come, come from behind and win, but you don't worry about it because you already know what's going to happen. There's a certainty. You saw it already. You, you know what's going to happen. And so you don't worry about that they were behind and now they come, you know? And that's how we need to live as believers in Christ. When we, when we think about who we are and as we live our lives, we don't need to worry about the end. We don't need to worry about all these things because even though we haven't seen it yet, even though we haven't seen the replay, we know how it's going to end. We can know with certainty how it's going to end. And it's going to end with a glorious future for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So as we go into and as we read Romans 18, uh, or excuse me, Romans 8, verses 18 through 25, that's what I want to be thinking. This is what I want in your mind, okay? So Romans 8, 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing... For the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom 
of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await, as we, excuse me, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now that hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, so here's a couple things that's really important about this. I know that was a, kind of a big passage, and it's a little bit wordy, right? It's a little, when you read through it, the first part's pretty easy, I think, and the last part, it gets a little bit, whoo, a little bit heavy. But here's, here's I, so I just want to kind of walk with it through you guys this morning, and, and just, but I, I love how just the very, even just the introduction to this, to this passage, to me, is just incredible. You know, he says in verse 18, look back with me there again, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You know, I love this. This is Paul. This is a man who understood suffering. This is a man who, who understood pain and suffering. Look at this in, in first Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 28. It says, Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. You know why they... It was 39 lashes. You know why they did only 39? Because 40 would have killed a man. You know how many Jesus got? 40. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times. Three times I've been shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, Danger at sea, danger from false brethren, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. This guy, he understood pain and suffering probably more than anybody would. And having understood and having experienced and having lived this pain, he spoke these words. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is, be re- is to be revealed to us. You know, it, what this tells me is, first of all, none of us have really experienced pain and suffering like Paul had. If you have, I would love to hear from you because you have an amazing story. I think some of us in here have experienced pain and some of us in here have experienced toil and suffering, but very few people on this planet have experienced what Paul has experienced. And yet, in the midst of all of that, he was able to say, none of this compares to the riches and the future and the glorious future that we have. That's just an amazing statement, amazing truth. Whatever pain and suffering that you have, it cannot even hold a candle to the glorious future that we have to look forward to. That's one of the reasons why. I mean, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, you're going to go through pain and suffering in your life, and if you don't have a certainty of this glorious future that you're going to hold, then you will turn away from God, and you will walk away from God. That's the truth. 
And personally, I've seen this over and over again. I've seen people turn away from the faith because it was too hard. You know, people cry out to God and they say, God, I've given you everything. I've given you my whole life and this is how you treat me? You take away my child. You take away my wife. You take away my family. You take away my home. And they turn away from God and they walk away from God. Because their hope was in things they could see. Not in things they couldn't see. They did not take hold of the certainty that all of the riches of glory will be ours. It's going to be worth it. That's the bottom line. All the suffering in this life you know, honestly, I think some of us could say, I haven't even really experienced suffering in this life. And some of us in this room, you might be a skeptic and you might say, well, that's easy for you to say. That's a real pie in the sky idea. The truth is, the reality is that every single one of us as believers, whether we're believers or, or unbelievers in this world, every single one of us are going to die one day. And we're going to stand before God and we're going to be held accountable. And at some point, all of us are going to be in this place where we hope that we put our hope in, in, in glory. That's what we want. That's what we need to believe in. I love this, the next part here in verses 19 and 20. He uses this personification, right? He takes creation and he uses this, he turns creation into a person. It says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. You know, there, there's the, I love these two verses. There's something really powerful and really important about this, and I just want to point out real quick. The first thing is uh, these two words, eagerly longing for glory. Eagerly longing. You know, there's, there's this really crazy, in the original language, it's this really crazy, like, bunch of words all strung together and 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 uh, the best we can tell it's like an idiomatic expression kind of like we use like running a red light like that doesn't make sense to some people in other countries but to us it makes perfect sense right and that's the idea here but the picture that it kind of paints eagerly longing this uh, how we get this word is the picture really of someone like standing up on their tiptoes like like craning their neck out and you know covering their eyes and just looking intently at the horizon waiting to see Waiting for it to come, eagerly longing is the picture. I, you know, when I was reading and studying about this, I'm kind of reminded, of, you know, uh, last couple of years we go to the uh, Hayhira Honey Bee Festival, you know, and we go to the parade, and my boys, they love it, you know. And, and they, they really do, like, we get on, out on the street with all of our friends, and we're right there on the edge of the road, and, you know, and all the cars and all the trucks and all the, all the you know, crazy uh, those weird cars that they drive and all that stuff is down there way on the other end of the street, right? And my boys are just standing out there just like looking. Daddy, when's it going to start? When's it going to happen? You know, and I, it's, it's coming. It's going to happen. Calm down, you know. But that's just such a beautiful picture to me of that's what, that's what we need to do. Eagerly longing, waiting expectantly, looking for, looking for this amazing thing, this amazing future to happen. And the second thing that I want you guys to see here is that who caused this in verse 20? It says, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
We need to understand that, that, that the, our Lord, that God is the one who subjected all of creation to futility. Sometimes the, the, what we want to do is we take this passion and we say, it was subjected to futility by Satan. Satan caused all of creation to fall. And Satan was a deceiver. There's no, there's no denying that. And some people say, well, it was Adam because of Adam. Here's the thing. God is the one who subjected creation to futility. And he did it for a very important reason. And here's the reason why. If you read all the way to the end, it says, because of him who subjected it in hope. Here, think about this. We fell. We fell from grace and we fell from God and we were scarred by sin and we, would, we were bound to live in eternity separated from God because of this. And you know what God said? He said, it's not always going to be this way. He subjected creation to futility. He said, there's going to be this, it's going to come to an end. All of it's going to come to an end at some point. But he did it in hope. He created hope. For us, here's the thing we have to understand. This pain and this suffering that we're going through, this, this whatever is you're struggling with in your life right now, maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a small thing. I can be certain of this for everybody in here. Whatever the pain and suffering you're going through is big to you, right? It matters to you. But here's what we can know for sure. It is God's plan for you to go through all of this. But it's also God's plan. And we have to understand that this is not the ultimate design. The ultimate design is not futility. The ultimate design is hope. Amen? So here's a couple of things I want you guys to see about our future glory. These are really important, and I want to go through them. The first thing is our future glory is free of corruption. Look with me here in verse 21. It says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What awaits us, you guys, is a future without corruption, a future that is set free from sin, not just for us, but for the whole world. And I'm talking about natural creation. All, you know, the second, second law of thermodynamics says entropy, that everything is just winding down and turning down and coming down. Everything is just, you know, falling apart. And that's true, right? When you look into what we see, we see all of this is falling apart. All of this world is falling apart. But there's a future glory that's coming and it's free of corruption. You know, here, here's the thing. We don't have that future glory now. That's why we, to the, to the day we die, will say with Paul, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? We don't have it right now. But one day, we will have a future free from corruption. All this stuff that you're struggling with. You know, a friend of mine, we were in life group, and he said, I don't understand this nature thing. Help me understand this, this nature because, you know, I have a nature of Christ within me, but I still want to sin. And that's exactly what he's talking about right here. He's saying we have a future that is free of corruption. Right now, we are still these earthen vessels. We are still these jars of clay that hold the gospel diamond of uh, the, the gospel diamond inside of it. But right now, we're just faulted clay vessels, but one day we will have a future in glory. I love this first uh, Peter verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. There it is again. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Man, what a beautiful picture of what we have to look forward to. We need to wait and eagerly for it. The second thing I want you guys to see here is our future glory points to something new. I love this. Look, at, look with me here in verse 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. You know, I've had the, the amazing experience of going with my wife through several childbirths and, and basically being like a, a punching bag. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I hold her hand. I can't experience what she experiences. I can't experience the pain and the suffering, not just in the childbirth, but all the way up to it. I can't experience it as much as I would like to take that off of her. I can't. All I can do is hold her hand or rub her back or whatever she needs, you know? And so any mother in here who, who has experienced the pains of childbirth, you know what what, what Paul is talking about here. I, I can't experience it. I can't know that fully. But we can know this. And this is the beautiful thing. Because here's the mistake that we make in this world. You know, we do this all the time. I get on social media especially. And it's so, this, it's just doom and gloom. And everyone is foretelling the end of the world. And every, oh, it's just all going to pieces. And everything's falling apart. And, it, and it's, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And we have this picture of everything is going to fall into death and destruction. But Paul had a very different perspective on what, what is happening in this world in this present age as he refers to it. He had a very different perspective. You know, when you're in a hospital room and you're listening to uh, a woman screaming in agony, perspective is really important, right? If you know that she's giving birth, those screams, that agony that's being felt, there's almost an excitement that comes with it. Why? Not because it's leading to death, but because it's leading to life. Everlasting life. This pain and this anguish and this suffering that we are experiencing is not leading to death and destruction. It's leading to life and to a glorious future. We should celebrate it. We shouldn't lament it. We should celebrate it. Just like a, a husband, he walks around and he gives people high fives and things like that. Because he's excited about the new birth, the new life that's about to arrive. We wait expectantly for it. The truth is, all the groanings of this world and the birth pains of this world are just that. They're birth pains. They're new life. Matthew 24 7 and 8 says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are but the beginnings of birth pains, Jesus says. Not the road to destruction, but the road to life, the road to future glory. And I love this. It goes on in verse 13. It says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The last thing I want you guys to hear, the future glory is ours as children of God. Look with me here in verse 23. It says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. There's that word again. For adoption as sons, the redemption 
of our bodies. I love how last week, Pastor David, we looked at this picture of adoption, right? This picture of being heirs with Christ, with Christ. We weren't, you know, we separated ourselves from God and yet God came back and he brought us back into himself. That's the beauty, that's the beautiful picture here is that we get to share this eternal glory with God. What an amazing picture of who and how he has blessed us. We get to be heirs with him if we only place ourselves and we only become his children, adopted by him. I love this. Wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You know, it's kind of like the adoption process has begun and one day the process is going to be final. I know there are some parents in this room right now that are going through the adoption process. They're working through this. And I, I know, I, I've seen it and I've heard from them that the process is painful. It's emotionally painful. It's financially painful. It's just in every way. It's, it's intellectually, it's taxing. It's a painful process that they're going through. But when it finally goes through, man, that feeling... That is what we have to look forward to. So now we come to this important part of the message where I have to ask a very important question. Some of you guys know what I'm about to say. Anybody want to say it? One, two, three? Yeah. If you're a first-time guest, you're like, I don't know what's happening here. Seriously, in any time that I am studying for a message, I I have to ask this question, so what? God, what? So, so, so what? So that we, the, the, our future glory points to something new. So what? That our future glory is free of corruption. So what? That our future glory is ours as children of God. What does that mean? How does that mean? What does that mean for me? How do I take those three principles and apply those truths to my life? And I'm blown away by this. Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. It says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, this passage paints a picture, an amazing and a beautiful picture when it begins. It says, set your minds on things that are above not on the things of this earth. The truth of the matter is that, that we, that heaven is a glorious place. This glorious future that God has in store for us is set aside for us. And we need to long for it. We need to eagerly expect it and eagerly wait for it. With patience but with anticipation, with expectation. And the truth is, I'm convinced that many of us, many of us, myself included, we do not wait with eager expectations. We do not long for that glorious future. And I think there's two big reasons why. For some of us, we don't long for that glorious future because of the pain and the suffering that we're in facing right now. Maybe you're in this room right now and you're in a place of suffering where you're going through so much pain and so much hurt. And the world has closed in on you and all that you can see is your 
current situation that is right in front of your face and all around you. All you can feel is your pain and your suffering. And you can't see that glorious hope and that glorious future. Set your mind on things above. Not on the things of this earth. There is no amount of pain and suffering that can even be closely compared to our future glory. I know that's easy to say and hard to live out. But that is what God is calling us to do. To eagerly await. For some of us in this room, and I'm convinced it's a lot more of us in this room, we can't eagerly await our future glory for a completely different reason. It's because we're just simply too content with this world. We are simply too okay with how things are going here. This home that is not our home. I love this quote from Henry Durbanville. It says, Heaven is the center of the Christian's universe. Is it? Is heaven the center of our universe? Is our future glory the center of our universe? And he is bound to it by eight golden links. Our Father is there. Our Savior is there. Our home is there. Our name is there. Our life is there. Our heart is there. Our inheritance is there. And our citizenship is there. Everything is there. The center of our universe is there in that future glory. So if it's supposed to be there, then why are we so consumed with here and now? Why are we living so enraptured by what we have here? Years ago, uh, me and my cousin and my brothers, we were hanging out at my grandparents' house. And there was a fish fry that was about to happen. You guys ever been to a fish fry? Whew, man, it's incredible. You can gain seven pounds in one meal. It's awesome. And my papa, he can cook some fish. He uses that lard, you know. And so he's out in the yard. He's out in the backyard because you can't cook fish in the house. You've got to cook it on that big, ugly, crusty grill, you know, the big fryer, you know. And he's pouring it all out and he's doing his thing. And we're kind of in the further back in the backyard and we're playing and we're just waiting. And we're waiting eagerly. We're waiting expectantly because already you can smell it. You can smell that grease firing up and you can smell he's already put a few fish in there and it's cooking and the hush puppies are coming next. And inside, you know, Mama, she's cooking all of the trimmings and everything, coleslaw and potatoes and, and every possible thing, 14 starches, you know. And you just know it. And we're out playing in the backyard, and me and my, me and my cousin Glenn, and, and we're playing this cruel joke on my little brothers. And we have this pie plate, and we filled it up with mud 
and we covered it in Parmesan cheese. Yes. And we convinced my little brothers that this is something that they should eat. They should eat this because this is so good. Mmm, it's good. And you know what they did? They took a big old handful of it and they ate it. And this, that's gross, I know. It's that nasty South Georgia black mud too, you know? But this to me is the picture of what we do. Eagerly, expectantly waiting for the riches and the glory of a fish fry. And we're in the backyard amongst ourselves, talking to ourselves and convincing each other that these mud pies that we're eating is something of value, something of worth. And it simply is not. The things of this world are not worth anything. The pain and the suffering of this world is not worth anything. It certainly is worth nothing compared to our future glory and our future hope. So let me just propose to you this morning, in just a few moments, we're going to close and we're going to pray and we're going to sing and we're going to spend some more time with God. And I know this, maybe you're in this room and you're not eagerly expecting our future glory and our future hope because of the pain and suffering that you're going through. This world has convinced you that this pain and suffering, this temporary Anguish that you're facing is the only thing that matters, and it doesn't. It pales in comparison. Maybe you're in this world and you're convinced that the things you bought on Friday, or the house that you live in, or the car that you drive, or the job that you have, or all of these things that we consume ourselves with, the retirement that I'm going to have one day, the college I'm going to send my kids to, we're convinced that these things have great value, but they simply don't. Not when compared to the future glory. God, forgive us. When we set our eyes on the things of this earth and not on the things of heaven. Maybe this morning you've just been a pretend Christian. Maybe this morning you cannot share. You are not an adopted child of God and you have no future hope of glory to look forward to. You know, the incredible and the amazing thing about that is Jesus made a way for us. He made a way. He stood in our place. You, who are apart from Christ, are doomed to an eternity separated from God, doomed to separation from that future glory and that future hope. But because of Jesus... You were made right. Maybe this morning for the first time, you need to accept that free gift that God has given you. Whatever it is, I know that all of us have business to do with God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this amazing day that you've given us. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the promise of the future hope of glory. We thank you for the gift that it is to us, the gift that we could not earn and cannot keep without you. And Father, forgive us when we take our eyes off of that future glory. Father, forgive us when we settle for the things of this earth instead of clinging to the future hope of glory. Father, change our perspectives.
in every way, in every place where we place things above you, where we place situations, where we place suffering above you. Father, I pray that this altar this morning would be a place where we can come and we can bow our heads and we can say, God, forgive us. Forgive me. Change my heart. Renew in me that future, that hope of incorruption. I know that I'm faulted now. I know that I've walked away from you. I know that I've set my eyes on the things of this earth, not the things in heaven. Father, change my heart. Change our heart. Change our perspective. Change our lives this morning. Father, we pray and ask all these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.